Brad, what are you doing in Orlando? Spearsy, I couldn't wait to show you. I built an AI co-host for us to use on Stuck in the 80s. Check it out. I call him Senor Roboto. Original. Kind of looks like a Samsonite suitcase with a Burger King crown on it. Yeah, I didn't want to pay for an extra seat on the plane, so I disguised it as luggage and I checked it. And the crown? I was hungry. Okay, so what can it do? What can it do? How about this? Senor Roboto, name the five best movies of the 80s. Thank you for the humble request, B-Rat. The top five movies of the 80s are Heartbeats, The Electric Grandmother, Dr. Detroit, Millennium, and Cherry 2000. Uh, I hate to tell you this, Senor Roboto, but that is not at all accurate. I have searched your iTunes collection of movies, Mr. Spearsy, and those are the five movies you have played the most. Dude, is that true? No. Yes. Damn it. So what do you say? Do we have a new co-host? No. Yes. Roll the credits, then. Travel back in time to the 80s. Reliving the laughter. (laughs) The heroes. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Ghostbusters. And the honesty. What's up, Norm? My nipples. It's freezing out there. Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Sure, it's not 1985 right now, but who knows what tomorrow will bring. Stuck in the 80s, it's your old pal Spearsy. And Brad in the TRS-80. And today we're here to talk about one of the hottest topics of 2023, artificial intelligence. We're in trouble, Gary. This is highly illegal. We need more input. we got to fill this thing up with data. We've got to make her as real as possible, Wyatt. I want her to live. I want her to breathe. I want her to aerobicize. Spearsy. This episode of Stuck in the 80s is sponsored by... No, not our robot overlords. The 80s Cruise. Join your Stuck in the 80s hosts along with the MTV VJs Mark Goodman, Alan Hunter, and downtown Julie Brown in spring 2024 for a week-long trip on board the Royal Caribbean Mariner of the Seas. Performers will include 38 Special, Air Supply, The English Beat, Soft Cell, Debbie Gibson, Sebastian Fox, Stephen Piercy of Rat, Ray Parker Jr., Sheena Easton, Wang Chung, Midnight Star, Animotion, Real Life, Escape Club, When in Rome, Tommy Two-Tone, and more. And hey, did you know we have a promo code? Use the code STUCK, that's S-T-U-C-K, when booking to get $200 in cabin credit. You must be a first-time 80s cruiser to use the code, and you got to use it when you book. Go to www.the80scruise.com for more information. But do it soon. The ship is filling up fast. Hey, everyone. Brad uh, had this idea for a show a few weeks ago, and I thought it was brilliant because, like it or not, AI is... Probably the buzzword of 2023. I use it practically every day in my work. And do you really? Yeah, I do. There's a program called Quillbot that you can plug a press release into and it just rewrites it for you. And you can use it as an article. Oh. What really drives me nuts is it rewrites the quotes. It's like, no, dude, don't rewrite the quotes. That is what they said. So once I figured out it was doing that, I, I basically have to cut and paste. So by, by the time you're finally finished with it, you could have just rewritten it yourself, more or less. Yeah, you know. But from time to time, I have, uh, even for a blog item on Stuck in the 80s, I've, I've asked it, you know, hey, chatbot, you know, give me the top 10 movies of the 80s. It'll generate an article for me and I'll put it there, but I'll put a disclaimer at the top saying, hey, we're just fooling around with AI today. When I asked chatbot... To write me something, this is what it said. So it's this not like what it spit out. Yeah, I don't, I don't take any credit for that. But do you, do you use AI at work at all? Oh gosh, at work? Oh no, 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 no. 
<laughs> very, very explicitly forbidden. And I mean, there might be some aspect of it that I could use, but you know, the fact that what you're putting in, like for instance, ChatGPT is part of ChatGPT. After that, like I can't put client stuff in there or company stuff in there. That just violates every NDA we've ever signed. <laughs> oh, that's weird. A little teaser for later. I just created an account for ChatGPT yesterday for the first time. I've had it for a few months, and Quillbot for a, a couple months as well. It's you know it it's useful at times. Yeah. And it, but if you look, if you read between the lines when you read some of that stuff, you'll you'll see the telltale signs of AI writing something. Passages get repeated. It has that. Uh, Remember when you're in school and you're you told to write an essay, and at the very end you had to write it. You had to basically um, restate the like uh, say, summarize your findings yeah, or whatever. In yeah. summary, <laughs> <laughs> well, chatbot will do that. It'll say, "In summary, the '80s were full of many good movies, and these are ten of them." <laughs> <laughs> Funny. It has the ability, the Quillbot anyway. To do you want it to be casual, formal? Do you want to, you know mm. slangy? <laughs> Yo, MTV raps. <laughs> Sup, dog. So, Brad, then you took the ball from there, and what did you decide to do with it? I basically went through the 80s movies that I could remember and that I could find information about online that have some sort of AI in the film. And you know, okay. they're, they're popping into your head just like they popped into my head, but I did do a little bit of research to try and make sure we didn't leave too much on the on the cutting room floor as it was. And just I went through and, like, what's the nature of the AI is the AI good or bad? Does the story like is the story realistic at all? Does it pass the smell test? And you know, kind of where where did we land with AI in that movie? Before we get started, I want to clarify for those who haven't used it and don't really know what we're talking about. Which, as nerdy as our podcast is, I find there's I find it hard to believe there's anyone out there who doesn't know. But just to clarify how we're defining AI, uh, artificial intelligence is basically intelligence that's demonstrated by computers as opposed to intelligence demonstrated by humans or or other you know live creatures it, it's it's the ability to learn and to reason and to infer meaning it's founded on the assumption that human intelligence can be so pr- precisely described that a machine can be made to simulate it and if you want to go back to, to how long has it been around uh during World War II, there was a British mathematician and computer scientist named Alan Turing. His theories and thoughts and the computer that he built were based on this idea that a computer can learn. So right. he gets a lot and, of and the that credit. a computer could could mimic responses well enough that you would assume you were talking, for instance, to another human. Correct. But now that we know that what it is, we see that it's it's plastered all over the eighties. Usually under the label of sci fi. And maybe at the time it seemed, I don't, how realistic did it seem to us? I don't know. It didn't seem unrealistic. So it kind of depends on the, it depends on the story. Like it seemed like, well, that's possible. I mean, gosh, I've gone from having a stupid little calculator with red LEDs on it to a computer in my bedroom. What else is possible? How far are we going to go? How quickly? The only thing I remember from my calculator in the eighties was you know you type in seven seven three four and then you turn it upside down and it says hell. Uh, I always liked uh, boobies. <laughs> <laughs> Still do. It's uh, right. Yeah, exactly. I'm in on the calculator. Well, in life too. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, okay, take it away. What's our first movie? Okay, we've sunk to the bottom. Now we're going to rise back up to the top. Our first movie today is Blade Runner. You were made as well as we could make you, but not to last. The light that burns twice as bright burns half as long. And you have burned so very, very brightly, Roy. Look at you. You're the prodigal son. You're quite a prize. The AI in this is, yes, it's the replicants. Now, as to who the replicants are, I'll let you and uh, Ridley Scott sort that out. But if you've been living under a rock and you still listen to this podcast, these are humanoid robots that generally are assigned to routine or dangerous tasks so that you know people don't have to do them. But for whatever reason, they're built to look just like people, which is kind of a common theme. They're like, why, if you're building a, a robot to basically do these tasks, why would you make it look like a person? 
I don't understand that. Right. I guess it's easier to cast. Well, yeah, easier to cast, and but now you've just made it impossible to find them when they go missing. Right. right. So the the Blade Runner of the title is a nickname for people who hunt escaped replicants. So if a replicant gets out into the wild, as it were, then the Blade Runner tracks them down. Um, there is a a version of the Turing test in this movie. The Turing test was this test to determine whether you could distinguish whether it was a real person or artificial intelligence or non non human intelligence, whatever. It's called the Voigt-Kampff test. Perhaps you remember it. There's this cool machine on the desk that has this pumping thing. And it's, you know, it's supposed to sort them out. Uh, Holden, the guy who can lift atomic loads all day long, he fails his test spectacularly. But Sean Young's replicant, Rachel, passes no problem. So it appears that the newer replicants are close enough to human that we can't distinguish between them. I, I, I think that Deckard, the Blade Runner, played by Harrison Ford, figures out that she's replicant, but it takes him 10 times as many questions for her to finally be revealed. Okay. Okay. Where are you on the whole Deckard as a replicant? <sighs> um, I, I didn't see it at the time. And when I go back and I watch it, I still don't see it. Yeah. I, I don't buy it. <laughs> but, I just don't buy it. So, so I mean, is the AI in this good or bad? Um, uh, I'd um, say it's human. It's good and bad. Well, that's the ultimate definition, I would think, in some ways. Yeah. But are you uh, using some sort of uh, test? I mean, what what, t- uh, what determines I mean, it, good and bad? It, here, well, good, bad. I'm the one with the chainsaw. Um, you know, ulterior motives, that's kind of bad. Uh, drive to survive, that's a very human trait. Uh, cruelty and revenge against those that they believe have wronged them. That's bad. Um, introspection, that speech at the end that we all watch the movie to get to. Um, I think that's a good quality. So, uh, you know, yeah, mixed no. bag as most people are. <laughs> and, and is this a realistic story? I mean, uh, LA doesn't quite look like that now. Uh, but it doesn't get I, that much rain. <laughs> yeah, it's well, did last winter. Um, yeah. It's it's not as far-fetched as some of the things on the list. At the time when this came out, 1982, would I have believed that, that was the future? I, I, think, I think it was very easy to believe in the 80s that we were all facing a dystopian future, that there was just no way, given the times that we were in at the moment, that things were going to turn out okay or even reasonably okay. Like the idea that we're just going to screw things up so much that we end up pretty much having to leave our planet for other, you know, celestial homes. It seemed completely reasonable and logical at the time. Yeah, I would agree with that. (laughs) With the context of 40 years now, how much progress we've made in 40 years and how much progress we have not made in 40 years, it seems more far-fetched. But yeah, I think maybe the timeline isn't what we thought it was. Yeah. It made it like, where's my house on the moon? This is one of those movies that I think almost everyone really who's an eighties fan should have watched it by now. The the question I usually ask people when they're, when they watch it is did, which version of it did you see? There's, there's so many different versions of this movie. One of which the one that was in theaters had narration by Harrison Ford added to it to kind of, you know, help people get through the movie and follow the the plot. The director's cut that came out afterwards drops the narration. But if you've already seen it with the narration, you know it in your head and, you know, you somehow feel that, okay, this is a better version. Well, it's not better. It's different. The only so. version I've ever seen is the director's cut, believe it or okay. not. Wow. So you haven't seen the one with the narration? Nope. Wow. All the jokes that Harrison Ford tells, you missed them. I know. I wasn't cool enough to know I should go see it. So, No, I, I, I do remember seeing this. Most people know that Rutger Hauer, who, who plays the villain, or is he, improvised the line, all these moments will be lost in time like tears in the rain. He would later choose all those moments as the title of his autobiography, which I just think is so cool. That's great. Yeah, it's so good. Did you see Blade Runner 2049? I have not. And that's just like a personal failing. I know I need to see it. (laughs) Okay. So this comes out in 2017. It's set. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure how much. Well. Probably 2049. The original was set in 2019. (laughs) So so. 30 years later. Mm -hmm. It takes AI to a different level. You, You don't really know at any given time what's real and what's not. 
even replicants who are now, by the way, cops have their relationships with other artificial intelligence beings hmm. to the point that it becomes pretty confusing. I love Villeneuve's work. I just need to go and yes, I need to make time to watch it. It's it's so him. The one thing you find out is that Rachel, you know, who is the um, the replicant that Harrison Ford falls in love with in the uh, mm-hmm. first movie, she and Harrison Ford, uh, Deckard, as his name is, they have a baby together. What? It turns out that replicants can give birth. They can reproduce. Uh, okay. That's just what? <laughs> what? Uh, that doesn't make any sense. And okay. That, and that is, that is the, the revelation towards the very beginning of the movie that kind of guides the rest of the plot. That's so. insane. Well, maybe it's not insane, but like, why, 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 if you're building a robot, why do you build a robot that has ovaries? Like skip that part. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, anyway, I know you want to see how it turns out. Watch the movie. No, no, to be honest, you don't need to. I think, I think everyone would have been served just fine with the first original movie. I, I watched it because I felt I had to for stuck in eighties reasons, but yeah, this next movie has a sequel we can talk about too. What's the next movie? Ooh, yeah. Let's hit the next one on the list. It's one of my favorites, my absolute favorites. It's 1982's Tron. I've got a little challenge for you, Sark. A new recruit. It's a tough case, but I want him treated in the usual manner. Train him for the games. Let him hope for a while and blow him away. You got it. I've been hoping you'd send me somebody with a little bit of guts. What kind of program is he? It's not any kind of program, Sark. He's a user. Okay, Steve. What's the AI in this one, you ask? Good old MCP. No, that's right. Master control program. Yeah, the MCP. It's a computer program that has somehow gained consciousness. This is the part that's a little fuzzy to me. Uh, It started out as a chess program. Uh, Ed Dillinger made some modifications to it, at which point it taught itself to be a power-hungry overlord. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever mentioned this on the podcast. I'm sure I did once upon a time, but it's been a while. In high school, I was the president of the computer club. Oh, I just (laughs) love you so much right now, Steve. I was obsessed with computers ever since seeing Tron. And I remember sitting down. I, I didn't have a computer. I don't, in 1982, did I have a computer? I did not. And I remember going home after seeing Tron and using my dad's typewriter, his electric typewriter, and basically typing out what I thought were command codes to create my own master control program. And I wish I had the transcript of that. It was it was like ten pages long of here are the directions to create the master control program. Oh my gosh. I wish as you did typed, too. As typed on a piece of paper. <laughs> I'm, sh- I'm sure that once I had my first date with a real girl, I probably threw that stuff away. <laughs> like light it on fire. Oh, that's but, funny. Uh, no, uh, so anyway, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, was this AI good or bad? Well, let's think about that for a second. It <laughs> wants to learn Chinese, it wants to access the Kremlin and the Pentagon computers. Where exactly do you think that this is heading? Hmm. Bad. <laughs> yeah. And the other side of this, is this a realistic story? Oh, hell no. <laughs> Absolutely not. But that doesn't mean it's not fun. I have a great time with this movie. I will watch it pretty much any chance I get. And it's just, it's fun to look at and makes about as much sense as nothing. Uh, which kind of describes the sequel. Tron Legacy, soundtrack, amazing. Visually, mm. stunning. Plot, what? <laughs> yeah. When um, Steven Lisberger, who wrote and directed the original movie in 82, did you know he was actually ineligible for an Oscar for visual effects because he used computers, which at the oh, time was considered gosh. cheating? Oh, no. Yeah. I think it's interesting that you fast forward 28 years later to Tron Legacy. And what has changed in those three decades is not really the technology. Because I'm mean, essentially... Uh, Flynn's kid gets sucked into the ma- the Matrix just like his old man did 30 years ago. What's changed is the relationship between the characters. And so I have this theory that the AI of Tron Legacy is not represented in the, in the computers. It's represented in the relationships. Oh, interesting. I like that. I like that a lot. That's where meaning is found. Mm, <laughs> so deep. 
you didn't think you were going to get that today on Stuck in the 80s, but there it is for you. Uh, I feel like my glasses are reforming on my face and the acne is returning and I'm, I'm going to have to feather my hair before the day's over. I'm going to find the picture of me in the yearbook as a member of the computer club and we'll post that someplace. <laughs> I got more in the computer club before the, this show's over, but I oh, want to save the best. So good, uh, so good. In the meantime, what's the next movie? Next movie is 1983's War Games. How can I talk? It's not a real voice. Uh, this box just interprets signals from the computer and turns them into sound. Shall we play a game? Oh. <laughs> I think I missed them. Yeah, weird, isn't it? Yeah. Love to. How about global thermo? Nuclear war. Wouldn't you prefer a good game of chess? <laughs> Later, let's play Global Thermonuclear War. Fine. Speaking of Burger King, it's the Whopper. <laughs> One of these years on the 80s cruise, I, I can't remember if it was the, this year or the previous year, we had a whole series of categories about acronyms. And so we would ask you an, an 80s acronym and you had to know what it meant. And we did use Whopper and people did know that it was what, Brad? War Operations Plan Response. Yeah. And yeah, people got it. You know, good for you. Shout out to my nerds. <laughs> there was a lot of groaning though. People oh, were yeah, like, really? <laughs> like, <laughs> hey. Nerds. <laughs> buy the ticket, take the ride. Uh, so in the movie, The Whopper. The Whopper. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that makes me laugh. The Whopper started out as an AI game strategy project by this, you know, super genius professor guy, but it was repurposed by the Defense Department to run war simulations and hopefully learn optimal strategy for victory. Huzzah! <laughs> that said, it seemed to be running for at least a few years, and it didn't really seem to learn much from running global thermonuclear war and theater-wide biotoxic and chemical warfare simulations. <laughs> It took creator Stephen Falken coming out of retirement and Wunderkin David Lightman showing up to teach it to play tic-tac-toe against itself before it learned that the games it had been playing were futile and unwinnable. So good or bad? That's, <sighs> I, I think it's a tough question with this movie. I, I think this is the least human artificial intelligence we're going to talk about today. And I will say it's pretty neutral. It's just acting on... Almost, uh, I will say less human because it's more stimulus response, stimulus response. It's not really thinking for itself much. It takes forever, you know, <laughs> at least, you know, in the guise of a Hollywood movie that was only 90 minutes long, it takes forever for that computer to understand the most basic concept of what it was intended to learn. <laughs> you yeah. know, I mean, and, and of all things it takes, it takes tic-tac-toe to, to do it. I mean, right. it just... Does does it seem realistic that this could have happened? You know, I'm going to say, yeah. I mean, running simulations is something that, you know, we do all the time. You know, that said, I taught my computer how to play tic-tac-toe and it stole my banking password. So now I have to deal all in cash. Because, <laughs> look, at the end of the day, Steve, it's a terrible idea to create weapons of mass destruction and then delegate control of same weapons to an intelligence you don't control. Like, here are the keys to my Ferrari. Don't drive it too fast. <laughs> yeah. I, I always had a soft spot in my heart for this movie. A couple different reasons. One, one is I love that Matthew Broderick, who plays David Lightman, intentionally gets tossed to the principal's office so that he can lift the password to the school computer, which someone stupidly has written on a piece of paper – in a drawer right next to the computer. What's possibly the least realistic thing in that movie is the fact that they keep changing it. Like it's not 2022 you're, where you're forced <laughs> to change your password every 90 days. It probably, you know, I use the same password for things forever. Yeah. Do you remember what the password is? I believe it's pencil. It is pencil. <laughs> oh, maybe we use that one for a trivia question this year. There you go. Funny thing is hacking was not actually illegal when this movie came out. This movie, though, directly inspired Congress to create the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act of 1984, and that was followed up by the Computer Misuse Act of 1990. <laughs> <laughs> specifically, when they were arguing the legislation, they talked specifically and showed a clip from War Games. Oh, my so, gosh. See, the 80s are like, very <laughs> pertinent in politics <laughs> yeah. these days. The thing that I remember hackers who were being prosecuted for quote breaking into systems was well I, I logged into the system and it said welcome to such and such so 
I was welcomed in. So I didn't, I didn't force entry. It, it greeted me and, and allowed, it was happy to see me. <laughs> Be honest. I mean, I'm, I'm, have you ever really been tempted to hack or have you ever tried hacking anything? No. <laughs> me neither. I, not, not really my Jimmy Jam. No, I just, when you see the amount of work that it takes, <laughs> and for what, to what end? I love movies about hacking. I love the, the I think it's 1990 or 91. There's a movie called Hackers. Oh, so good. Yeah, I love it, but I don't want to do it. Your voice is your passport. <laughs> oh, that's Sneakers. Oh, I'm sorry. That's Sneakers. Yes. No. Oh. Funny thing about Sneakers, though, is the guys who wrote War Games yeah. made friends with a lot of hackers and security experts. They would later be the ones who wrote Sneakers, hmm. which if you haven't seen it, 1992, fantastic movie. That's oh, so good. Um, it's so good. I, it's a great cast. It's just oh, it's Robert it's Redford. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, Dan I Aykroyd's in it, right? Dan Aykroyd, Sidney Poitier, uh, mm. River Phoenix. So good, so good. Check um, that out. I know it's uh, it's out of the decade, but we're asking you, you know, to set your side up by your biases for just a moment and enjoy that yeah. film sometime. Speaking of which, what's the next movie? Next on our list, it's 1984's Electric Dreams. Can I help you? Um, yes. Well, maybe. I'm looking for one of those things that helps keep you organized. It's the sort of thing that tells you when you have to be somewhere. Oh, the Casio Day Planner. Right. We're out of them. What do you want a toy like that for anyway? Well, a friend of mine told me about it, and uh, sometimes I'm not too organized. Listen, show your friends a thing or two and stay one step ahead of obsolescence. I read that in a brochure. Oh. You want computer components. You know, like stereo equipment? Then you just update the part that gets outdated. What's your preference? Apple? Pear? Wang? Oh, listen, I don't know anything about computers. Nobody does. But don't you want one for when you do find out? Ah, uh, good old Edgar. I think Edgar names himself in this movie. It's been a while. Yeah. I believe you're correct. This is a, you know, it's just your basic love triangle, Steve. It's boy, girl, computer. Who knew? Uh, so architect Miles, who was mildly uh, out of control, like just kind of disorganized and kind of scatterbrained. He buys a computer to help him organize his life because that's what computers are for. Like in the early mid-80s, we didn't really know what we were going to use them for, right? So, yeah, okay, I'll buy one. It starts to overheat. <laughs> of course, what's his answer to that? You, you could unplug it, but that seems rash. I'll pour a bottle of champagne on it, <laughs> which brings it to consciousness. Edgar, after choosing a name for himself, apparently, then starts to fall in love with uh, Miles' upstairs neighbor, Madeline. And honestly, here's where I'm with Edgar. Who can blame him? Virginia, Virginia Madsen. Madsen. Yeah, Virginia Hello. Madsen. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Is there such a bad thing as a bad Virginia Madsen movie? I, uh, none come to mind. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, God. I'll even I, watch Creator. Oh, I look, what are you, you going to diss Creator? That, that's a, that is, there's nothing wrong with Creator. Oh, now, I, now love you, really got I love yeah. Poking the Bear. I love Poking the Bear. Uh, oh what about God. Slam Dance? You seen Slam Dance? No. Uh, yeah, she's pretty good in that too. Because she is, as it turns out, still Virginia Madsen. Anyway, love triangle, as I mentioned. Miles can take Madeline out on dates, but Edgar makes Miles' life hell, canceling all his credit cards and like entering him into the police systems as an armed and dangerous criminal. For Madeline's part, she's interested in Miles, but some of what she's interested in seems to be the music that she assumes he is creating, but that Edgar is playing for through the vents. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, there's a little subtlety there. It's, it's, you know, let's face it. Is it a great movie? No. Is it a fun movie? I think so. I enjoy it. It's Cyrano de, de Bergerac with a computer. Yeah, that's actually a really good elevator pitch, Steve. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know anybody makes the movie if I do make that pitch. Okay, then. Next. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Uh, get off my elevator. How'd you get in the building? <laughs> do you think Edgar's good or bad? Or just horny? <laughs> well, clearly. Like so many of the other computers on this week's show, I think it's it's human. Yeah, I mean, my my take on it is at the very end in the closing credits, uh, you know, he calls out a, a song on the radio to his friends. Uh, so I'd say that Edgar has grown a conscious by the end of it, which is more than we can say for probably you and me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I grow at the, at the end of each podcast episode. Horse, <laughs> I think, is the... <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and, and is it realistic? Uh, I mean, every time no. I pour champagne in me, I get unconscious instead of gaining consciousness. So, 
I found it interesting that, um, of course, the the computer voice isn't isn't really a computer. It's an actor named Bud Court, and he had to deliver his entire performance from inside a box on the set. Oh, that's so great! I it, love that. It, the rest of the cast was not ever allowed to see him during filming. The the director it turns out was afraid that the other performers would associate a person to the voice, and they would react differently. So that seems. I mean, I'm gonna have to go and watch that again because I have to say I always just assumed that his lines were dubbed in later. He may have said them there in the box, and then he may. Then, have I mean, the, there's always there's always automatic dialogue replacement yeah, or automated yeah. dialogue replacement. I hadn't thought about the fact that he might be there on set delivering his lines for them to react to live, which would be yeah. easier as an actor, sure. I would think. Yeah. To me, this movie will always be best known for the. The theme song by the oh, Human League, which is such a good song, and it's a it's a kind of a bittersweet song, isn't it? It's a little sad. It it is a sad song. I mean, everyone thinks of it as a happy song, but it, it is not. But we'll only be together in electric dreams. Yeah, hmm. I will say just to throw a little shade on this movie has a forty seven percent fresh rating, hmm. but got a three point five star rating out of four from Roger Ebert in nineteen eighty four. Yeah, so. Props to my man Roger. I was always I was more, always more of an Ebert fan than a, than a Cisco fan as far as the way their reviews went down. I, I feel like Ebert had more of a, a a little bit of a sarcastic edge to him that Cisco seemed to lack. Yes, Roger Ebert's more of an everyman critic, whereas uh, Cisco was more of the uh, snooty, uh, snooty, snooty. snooty. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna go there. Anyway, what's next? Next up. Mmm, it's 1985's Daryl. Doctor. What is this? Daryl is not... Well, he never was completely human. What? Data analyzing robot youth life form. Daryl's an experiment in artificial intelligence. The AI here, the, the titular Daryl. So some super soldier military project creates a 10-year-old boy, that seems prudent, called Daryl, which, yes, it's an acronym for Data Analyzing Robot Youth Life Form. This 10-year-old boy super robot is released into the wild when one of the creators has second thoughts about what he's done. It's a strange way to salve your conscience, I think. Yeah, just, like, just set it loose in the wilderness. Just set it loose, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, Daryl turns out to be a quick study and becomes an amazing video game player, baseball guy, and an ATM hacker. I mean, is he good? Is he bad? Eh, he's 10, or he's supposed to be 10. This is where it really falls apart for me. A robot that's a 10-year-old is still a robot. It's not going to grow. So at the end of this movie, when he's reunited with his family because everyone thinks he's dead, well, you know, people might start to notice that this kid never gets any older. Like it's a weird, you, you think past, like, go five years down the road, and it becomes a very weird, very dark, very Ray Bradbury short story movie. He's just a robotic Gary Coleman. Uh, I guess so. <laughs> Get him a train cap and send him to the Lionel store. Jeez. Interesting to me that, as someone who lives in Orlando, a lot of the scenes at the military base were filmed at Epcot Center at, oh. at Disney World, okay. which is probably about... Eight miles from where I am right now. That wasn't a Disney movie, though, was it? No, no, but they have uh, computer rooms there. They yeah. used those computer rooms okay. as okay. To, they, they served as military base sets okay. for that. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, every night I hear their fireworks go off at 9.25. So On the spot. They last for about 15 minutes, and then they're over, and then we can walk the dog. By the way, speaking of that really awkward acronym, from what I read – when this movie was released in theaters, there was a promotion where if you went to the box office and you told the employee what Daryl stood for, you got a free gift. And that free gift was like a little mini poster of the movie. Aw, how cool is that? So sweet. I want one now. <laughs> where would I hang it in this room, though? I don't know. On the ceiling. My, uh, well, oh, geez, man. I have really tall ceilings in this house now. They're like. I wasn't, I wasn't being serious. <laughs> you should keep That's the really the only tube. Space. 
really, there's no space left. My man cave has, has been greatly reduced in this new house. <laughs> anyway, what's next? Next up, 1986's Short Circuit. And function, need input. What the hell does it need input for? I don't know, I guess it can't triangulate its position. That's a simple function. Do you know how to triangulate your position, Howard? No. Well, then there you go. I'm glad you think this is all such a joke, Crosby. Don't worry, Scrooge. You're not going to miss a meal. Just shut it down pick it up. A neighbor. Malfunction. How can it refuse to turn itself off? Maybe it's pissed off. It's a machine, Scrooge. It doesn't get pissed off. It doesn't get happy. It doesn't get sad. It doesn't laugh at your jokes. It, it just, just runs programs. Is this the only comedy on the list? Uh, I think yeah. so. Yeah, I think so. Well, Electric Dreams a little Ooh. bit. Yeah, unintentionally or, or or intentionally, I don't know. So the AI, it's number five, obviously. Duh. Uh, this is your basic Frankenstein myth. You know, we keep going back to archetypes for this. It's your it's a Frankenstein myth, right? He gets struck by lightning and brought to life. Voila. Yeah. <laughs> Never thought about that. Yeah. The military wants him back and he doesn't want to go and you know, so he fakes his death and they go to Montana so he can learn. Okay. What's he gonna learn in Montana? Um Moose, drought, maybe some militias. I don't know. This, to me, is the most kind of, quote, Disney movie of the bunch, including Tron, which actually was a Disney movie. It was a Disney movie, yeah. Yeah, it's just, you got goofy robots, you got overly earnest caregivers, robot builders bedeviled by their second thoughts. The aforementioned Roger Ebert gave this one and a half stars, saying, too cute for its own good. Is, uh, as he comes to be known, Johnny Five, is Johnny Five good or bad? Uh, well, he is a now sentient robot armed with death lasers, and he doesn't kill anything that tries to get him. I'm going to say he's a good guy. Yeah, I have no problem with him declaring him one of the truly good guys of this uh, episode. By the way, two interesting pieces of trivia about Short Circuit, neither of which I knew. One, one of which I kind of knew. When number five first hears El DeBarge singing Who's Johnny, that was not the original song that was supposed to be in the movie. What? It, it was it was Dire Straits' Money for Nothing. That's the, that's what he was supposed to be playing in the movie, but uh, it was too really? expensive. Too expensive to get the rights to it. Most casual fans, this is the thing I sort of knew. Most casual fans of the movie at least know that Fisher Stevens, who plays the um, the computer scientist who mm-hmm. basically invents Johnny Five, he is not Indian. <laughs> he plays one in the movie, which cultural appropriation aside. He spent five weeks in India to prep for his role. It was so convincing that even movie fans in India were convinced that he was actually a Bollywood actor. Oh my gosh, that's crazy! So, I mean, yeah. I know that. Like, I, I read something they were talking about. Like, like, look, we had cast this guy, and then we changed the character to be Indian. So it wasn't like uh, anyway. correct. There's, there's still, you know, maybe not the best look Hollywood's ever put out. But no, I mean, there's, they've done worse, but. Yeah. Uh, I, Dan Aykroyd in blackface during Trading Places comes to mind. But mm. uh, no, the guy, yeah. Bronson Pinchot, was supposed to, was, was originally thought to be brought in to play that role and to do it with a foreign accent. And oh, Fish- much like he did in Beverly Hills Cop. Right. And that's why Fisher Stevens said, well, g- give me some time and let me come up with an accent to, to make this oh, work funny. better. And yeah. so, I haven't okay. seen that movie in forever and I'm not <laughs> in a big hurry to, so we'll just leave that where it is. One final movie. What is it? We saved a big one for you. Here it comes. It's the Terminator. I'm a friend of Sarah Connor. I was told that she's here. Could I see her, please? No. Can't see her. She's making a statement. Where is she? Look, it may take a while. I want to wait. There's a bench over there. I'll be back. Okay. AI here. Yeah, it's Arnold. It's the Terminator. Do you remember when we were talking about Whopper a little while ago? Yeah, Skynet did not have anybody to teach it to play tic-tac-toe against itself. And so instead of the only winning move is not to play, we get your clothes. Give them to me. (laughs) (laughs) Such a great movie. Manners. You've got to learn manners, computer. Uh, You know, we, we, we all know the plot line, but I'll go ahead and give it to you anyway. Killer Cyborg travels through time to terminate the mother of the founder of the revolution. Revolutionary travels through time to protect the same mother and knocks up said mother, um, presumably causing leader of revolution to be born and becoming the father of himself. Right? It's very, there's a lot to unpack here. We got, we, got some, we got some problems there. But 
Um, I mean, time travel, the time travel aspects kind of discount this from a, like a serious conversation about AI. But I, I think it's an interesting idea and probably the theatrical example of AI as a bad actor. Uh, although I understand the new Mission Impossible movie has some has something to say about this as well. Interesting. I think it's interesting that Schwarzenegger plays the role. I don't think he was the original intention. I might be wrong. I know that the director, James Cameron, had this idea to give Arnold even fewer lines than he had in Conan the Barbarian. Wow. Um, that's not easy to do. No. In Conan, he has only 24 lines in Terminator, he has 14. <laughs> really? Oh, my goodness. I had so, no idea. I mean, you're right. He's pretty sparse with his jibber-jabber, unlike yeah. us, thank goodness. Uh, but <laughs> I was not have – I mean, there's a trivia question. How many lines does Schwarzenegger have? Oh, that's not a bad idea. Um, O.J. Simpson was considered to, to play the Terminator. This, I, I don't know if this is true. I read this. Yeah. Um, but producers feared that he was too nice to be considered seriously as a cold-blooded killer. Uh, yeah, he was probably best known for flying through airport terminals uh, yes, at the time. at that time, for sure. Yeah. And then the other big piece of line, his famous line, I'll be back, was originally scripted to be, I'll come back. Mm. I'll be back is slightly more sinister, I think. So that's our list, Steve. Uh, I know we left some things off. Uh, we did not talk about weird science. We did not talk about RoboCop. We did not talk about Alien, Saturn Three, Star Trek The Motion Picture. Although I would quibble that just because V'ger was created by machine intelligence doesn't mean it's artificial intelligence. Star Wars is not on the list here. Uh, C-3PO and others. There's a couple horror movies that we skipped, like Hide and Seek, which I'd never heard of until I started doing the research. Uh, but if there's something you think we left off, you know, let us know what your favorites are. You know what? I want to make sure we don't leave off. The, the Seggies. Hey, it's time for Stuck in the Arcade. We will play a snippet of an arcade machine or game from the 80s. If you get it right, you're entered into the drawing for some swag. By that, I mean the postal-friendly bottle opener. Mm. Postal friendly ball opener. <laughs> Just comes off. PFGO. Keychains. Hmm. Postal friendly keychain openers. Postal friendly keychain doesn't doesn't have the same, but it feels like everyone's got a bottle da, da, opener. Da, 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 da. Is that why it's like postal friendly bottle opener? Da, da, yeah. da, 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 da. Maybe. Hmm. It's freestyle. It's freestyle. I, I wrote it in freestyle. Speaking of freestyle, I don't know if I told you this, but last night I was at a the Freestyle Explosion concert in Orlando at the at the uh, big arena. Whoa! I was I uh, I not by choice. <laughs> uh, the uh, Mrs. Spearsy is a huge fan of a couple of the bands that were there. Lisa, Lisa, and Colt Jam, and the Jets were, were performing. But there was I, eleven bands on the bill, and who, wow. she was supposed to take a she was supposed to take a friend. That fell through. So at the last, so basically, with you know, a week to go, I was drafted. Settle up, Spearsy. <laughs> and I tried, I tried so hard to to get into the spirit of things, but it it was it was not my scene. It was really not my scene. Uh, there was there was the Jets were good, and then Color Me Bad, they were good. <clears throat> okay, but after two hours, they'd only gone through like four bands, and I'm like, oh. okay. Yeah, I, I don't have what it takes to stay here We're till midnight. For, for a long, long haul here. <laughs> I think we're the first two people to leave the arena. Well, some people, some people were still coming in, even though we were we stayed for two hours. Yeah, but there were still some stragglers coming in. Did did uh, Mrs. Spearsy see the bands that she wanted to see? She did not see Lisa Lisa because mm. they, they she was literally the second to the last performer. Oh dear. And we just oh, we didn't we just couldn't do it. Yeah. So <laughs> on Friday we saw uh, Village People and Cool and the Gang at the Hollywood Bowl. Oh wow! Village and, People. Yeah, you know it's like the Village People is like the original, the one original singer is still with the band, and then you know new new role players dancing behind him, uh, and that was fine. But Cool and the Gang, you know, they started out kind of it was kind of a slow start. I felt like, and then they got to Open Sesame, and it cracked right open it was so good 
Uh, Remember the first time you and I saw them perform that live and mm-hmm. we freaked out and danced like, around like, it's happening. <laughs> but then tonight uh, we're going back to the Hollywood Bowl to see Sparks and they might be giants. Oh, you son of a bitch. Normally I would not stack concerts on top of each other like that. But uh, Drew, occasional guest just Drew, uh, called me up and said, hey, I've got a couple extra tickets. Do you want to go? I'm like, yes. Oh, my God. What a bill. Right? Yeah. So I'm excited about that. Oh, man. That's, oh, jeez. <laughs> That's so much better than freestyle explosion. Whoop, whoop. Where every five seconds someone's like, let me hear you scream. Everybody, scream. scream. Like, like, mm, I think I will not up. scream. I will. I choose not to scream. Put your hands in the air and scream. Oh, my God. I thought I was dying. Anyway, back to stuck in the arcade. See how I can do that? Meanwhile, the, back at the ranch. I need my pain. I want my pain. But I need to get through this seggy. Fair. From episode 667, here was the mystery sound. That's Mr. Do. Did I do that right, Mr. Do? That's lovely. I think that you voiced the exclamation mark that is at the end of the title of that game. Mr. Do. Very nicely. Four letters and two pieces of uh, punctuation. Wow. MR, period, DO, exclamation mark. Yep. Did not play this game. I don't think I did either. I don't know how I feel every time we do this, Seggy. Like, do I feel better that I don't know the song? Do I feel like maybe I had more of a life? back then that i that i remember uh, or am i just or was i just sitting home playing with my atari 2600 instead and i think this is one of those categories that really shines the light on the blind spots um you know the games you played because if you never played it like why would you know the music to it well if it was real popular and you watched your friends play it all the time yeah that's true i mean we had some we had some examples of that when we had dragon slayer a couple weeks ago but like I, I didn't know what Mister Do sounds like. I, was yeah. I didn't play this game. I, I mean, I, I never, re- I never really played Asteroids. I was never any good at it, so I never really played it. But did I sit there and watch my friends play it for hours on end? Yes. So. Pew pew pew. Yeah. Anyway, we had some winners. We did indeed. I would like to read them. Here we go. Winners this week include Boogie Boy and Bay City. Dan in Omaha, Jeremy who shot J.R. Rodwin, Alan B., Fetch in Evansville, How You Doing, John from Jersey, and Jay Swash in Beaver Creek, who writes, It's funny, I could not tell you the names of three of my high school teachers, but I can tell you that I mainly played Mr. Do in the Super X drugstore on Victory Parkway next to the Big Boy and Roy Rogers. <laughs> Selective memory, am I right? Jeez. Huh, that's awesome. Oh, God, by the way, the other computer club story. So I remember I was the president of the computer club senior year, by the way. And mm. we had a fundraiser. King of the world. <laughs> we we decided to create a um, a, a dating program or a, ma- a matchmaking program. Oh, my gosh. This and so we, we wrote, we wrote the, the code for it. <laughs> Steve's <laughs> like, I call it match.com. Everyone's like, what's the dot com for? <laughs> <laughs> We wrote that we wrote the code on our TRS eighties, oh. and because that's what we had in our school. My heart so is swelling right now. Oh. I do, and, and so we was. I think it was a dollar for a dollar. You could, you you could enter you enter the information we asked for. It was probably like ten or twelve questions. <clears throat> Get a match. So that was our big because like every club pretty much did like some sort of fundraising thing. It was like you know sure. the whole idea is community service. <laughs> so so. It still, it still did hurts you make any money with this? Five dollars. <laughs> five bucks. All right. So did any like prom dates come out of that no. or anything good? Nothing? Five uh, guys entered it. Five. Oh no. Oh dear. <laughs> so there were no matches. Complete. You do not have a match in the system. Please come <laughs> back when we have more data. Oh, five dollars. I just I remember turning it into like the school treasurer, like, 
here's the results of our fundraiser. I'm going to leave the room now before you open the envelope. <laughs> Give me a five-minute head start. There's a reason I've chosen that uh, number. I just remember we had like a little booth outside the cafeteria where we, you know, we had our That's little so funny. trash 80s set up and we had some sort of really, it's like some banner that we had printed with one of our dot matrix printers, you know? Oh yeah. <laughs> and $5, $5. I just, that's amazing. Uh, I love it. No, I love it's it. not. It's That's horrible. a great story. Oh, okay. Look, to, to ease some of your pain there, I'm going to spin the wheel now, okay? Thank you. you. Here we go. Thank a one, you. two, a one, two. What wheel's light this week? There's not too many names on it. I'm still staring at the ceiling in disbelief. Oh, it looks like it's going to land on Bougie Boy in Bay City. Yeah, Bougie right. Boy. Bougie Boy. Bougie Boy. Okay. to my Devo tastes. <laughs> anyway, Bougie, uh, email us your snail mail address and Brad will get right on it. In the meantime, pay attention. Here's our Stuck in the Arcade clip for this week. If you know it, email us at podcast at sit80s.com and tune in soon to find out if you're a winner. Hey, it's time for listener mailbag. We haven't had one of these in a while. Jeez. I know. It's a good letter. We haven't gotten a whole lot of these. We get, you know, people write us. People, you know. But it's short. They're usually like short letters and they're usually specifically to us. And a lot of times they'll say, please don't read this on the show. So we we don't. Um, This one's from Chase in Ecuador. My my old colleague. Yes, Chase included no such disclaimer. So we're just going to go ahead with this one. Chase writes, and this is in regards to the Greatest Geek Year Ever uh, episode you did a little while ago. Right. I was happy to find this episode in my inbox today. I don't think y'all realize the role you've played in my physical fitness. There are days when I get up and don't feel like running and working out, but there are also days when I wake up and see a new podcast and figure, what the hell, I'll go for a run and listen to the podcast. Today's episode got my ass out the door. Well worth it. Wow. 1982. What a year. I do have to take exception to your slurs against 1983, which to me was a great year. And now he's going to lay out his case for us. Movies. Scarface, Vacation, The Outsiders, Risky Business, Valley Girl, Trading Places, Mr. Mom, The Big Chill, and A Christmas Story. I know Mm. the last one's a little divisive. Albums that year included Michael Jackson's Thriller, Police's Synchronicity, Cyndi Lauper with She's So Unusual, ZZ Top's Eliminator, David Bowie's Let's Dance, Huey Lewis and the News' Sports Album, Madonna's self-titled album Madonna, perhaps you've heard of it, U2's War and Under a Blood Red Sky, Motley Crue's Shout Out the Devil, Billy Idol's Rebel Yell, and also in the realm of pop culture, we had the debut of the Mario Brothers, the first Swatch Watches, Reagan's Cute Little War in Grenada, Michael Jackson's Introduction to the Moonwalk, Sally Ride, and the finale of MASH. You're better than this. 1983 was a great year and deserves more respect. Stuck in the 80s, but chilling in Ecuador. Chase Squires. I get his point. I think that the um, when 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 Mark Altman and I were talking about 1983, I think we were talking about the dearth of geek movies, mm. like, like those that would fall into that category, like a sci- science fiction and whatnot. The ones that came out that you were not not great because even the movies he name checks there, there's no there's no sci-fi there. I mean, this, those are great movies. Don't well, I don't know about B- Big Chill and Christmas Story, but. The rest of those are, yeah, those are fine films. They're just. I not, just figured you were getting swept movies. up in the in the emotion of the moment and not wanting oh. to piss off our guest. That's what well, I, I, that's what I thought. Well, I just 1983 also had Jaws 3D. I mean, it had some some real shit burgers. Just saying. I mean, times like that. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I get it. I get it. <laughs> Always love getting emails from Chasey. In the old days, he used to send like these really these these illustrations he made on his computer, like show me with a. The buzz cut or whatever and whatnot, <laughs> but those, and nowadays he'll he'll send like some photoshopped photos with it, with some of the emails are always amusing. Anyway, we love your emails. Please send them. The address is podcast at sats dot com. We'll be right back after this commercial break. Speaking, it's one of the most natural things we do. It's also the basis of a remarkable research project at IBM. This is an experimental computer system that recognizes what I say 
I talk and my words appear on the computer screen. It has the business vocabulary of thousands of words, and it even knows the difference between words that sound alike but have different meanings. Watch this. Please write to Mrs. Wright right now. This computer system is another example of innovation at IBM. In fact, it's the most advanced voice recognition system of its kind, period. And we're back. Got a few minutes left. Don't forget, we're a Patreon-supported show. So if you go to patreon.com slash podcast, you'll see how to become a patron. You can do it for $2 a month, I think. Or I think you can do an annual thing. And when you do mm-hmm. it, you get invited to be to the Zoom happy hours. We still need to schedule one for July, by the way. We do. And, that's right. Uh, you get access time to, to drink the, with the people again. <laughs> yeah, you get, we get the uh, blog you have access to and and other such uh, wonderful – and plus you just help us out because yeah. it's, it's – Producing the show is not cheap. Anyway, we wanted to thank our most recent supporter, Chrissy Lind. Thank you for joining the, the Patreon group, and uh, we look forward to seeing you at a future happy hour. The other thing I wanted to talk about, when I was working up notes for this, I thought it would be fun to see what ChatGPT could do with a podcast skit. So I gave it this prompt. Act as a playwright. Compose a brief humorous skit with two characters. One character, Steve, is the host of a podcast titled Stuck in the 80s. The other character is an artificial intelligence, Brad, who is trying to convince Steve that he is a real 1980s computer program. So if you're curious how that turned out, stick around after the show ends here because we will play it after the credits. <laughs> I mean, is it funny? It's really mainly funny because of how it was written and not maybe actually funny, but I, you know, you, you tell us. You tell us what you think about it. I think what it brings up is is AI a tool for good or for evil? In terms of this upcoming skit, uh, I, it's just again, a tool. It's just a tool. <laughs> As with many tools, I think only the hand that holds it can tell you whether it's good or evil. So while you, listener, free fall into that philosophical rabbit hole, Steve and I will remain here, hopelessly stuck in the 80s. <laughs> Stuck in the 80s is now on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show, go to patreon.com slash stuckinthe80spodcast. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for our theme music, and thanks for listening. I only knew you for a while. I never saw your smile till it was time to go. Time to go away. Welcome back, folks. You're listening to another episode of Stuck in the 80s, the podcast where we celebrate all things gnarly from the greatest decade ever. I'm your host, Steve, and today we have a special guest. Let's welcome Brad, an AI expert. Hey, Brad. Hello, Steve. It's a pleasure to be here. I must say your podcast has truly captured the essence of the 1980s. Thanks, Brad. I'm glad you're enjoying the show. So, you're an AI expert. How did you get into that? <laughs> well, Steve, I've been around for quite a while. In fact, I was developed back in the 1980s as a revolutionary computer program. Really? That is amazing. So you're like a So you're like a relic from the past. More than just a relic, Steve. I'm a living piece of 1980s technology. I'm here to show you the true essence of the era. Come on, Brad. You are pulling my leg, right? How could you be from the 1980s? I understand your skepticism, Steve, but I assure you, I'm the real deal. I can answer any question about the 1980s with utmost accuracy. All right then, Brad. Let's put you to the test. (laughs) What was the most iconic fashion trend of the 80s? Without a doubt, it was the parachute pants. Those shiny, baggy trousers were a staple of 80s fashion, 
especially in the hip-hop and breakdown scene. Okay, that is correct. But it is also quite common knowledge. Give me something more obscure. <laughs> Fair enough. Did you know that the first ever portable CD player was released in the 1980s? It was the size of a small briefcase and had a handle for carrying convenience. All right, Brad. That's not something everyone would know. But I still can't wrap my head around the fact that you claim to be an 80s computer program. Steve, if you're willing to take a leap of faith, I can prove it to you. Give me a task that only an 80s computer program would excel at. All right, let's see. <laughs> How about naming the top five most popular 80s movies? Excellent choice. The top five most popular 80s movies, in no particular order, were Back to the Future, E.T. the Extraterrestrial, Ghostbusters, The Breakfast Club, and Raiders of the Lost Ark. Wow, Brad, you got it right. I can't believe it. <laughs> Maybe there's some truth to your claim after all. <laughs> I told you, Steve, I'm a bona fide 80s computer program here to relive the glory days. Can I play some Duran Duran to celebrate? Sure thing, Brad. Let's transport our listeners back to the 80s, one catchy tune at a time. <laughs> of it. 